As affiliate owners, we discovered that using performance data to program our workouts produced far superior results for our members. But it took us 20 hours a week to produce something that we were really proud of in Excel. So that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the fitness world. Welcome back to another episode of the Yoked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Welch, CrossFit affiliate owner and founder of Yoked, where we believe success is never achieved alone. This short format interview podcast is designed for coaches and athletes that believe in the age-old adage, together is better. On every episode, we discuss all things between a coach-athlete relationship, from goal setting and making plans to the execution and the accountability of a program. We answer questions like, how to use data to improve performance, and what you should change about your life to be healthier. My hope is that you will leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for health and performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the Yoked Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Yoked Podcast. I'm sitting here with trainer Ellen Fredrickson. Ellen is a personal trainer, but I'm going to allow her to kind of give herself an introduction. Tell us about yourself, Ellen. Yeah, sure. Well, to understand what I do, um, kind of has to start with like why I do it. Um, I started lifting weights because um, someone took me to the gym and showed me how. And so I decided that that's what I want to do is take people to the gym and show them how. Um, so I, yeah, I'm a trainer at our local rec center and um, I'm a group fitness instructor. So I work with students and I help them in the weight room and I help them learn how to get familiar with weights, especially focusing on students who have never done that before. Um, I'm certified, plus I have a degree in my field, so that helps awesome. me a lot as well. Cool. So most of our listeners are in Utah and Idaho, and so we're in Provo, Utah. You work at the Provo Rec Center, mm -hmm. and then you also instruct classes at BYU, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the classes specifically that you instruct? Yeah, for sure. So I primarily teach weight training, um, which is just as you imagine it. It's an open weights room. Um, and then I teach some running and some cycling. And I also teach yoga when I have the chance. Oh, I didn't know you did yoga too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love yoga. It's actually my first, my first passion. It's what I first started really? with. Yeah. Um, let's talk about yoga for a little bit. Sure. Because none of our uh, interviewees have done yoga. Yeah. Or instructive yoga. What uh, makes you love it more than the exercise portion of coaching? Or training? Well, so for me, yoga is a way to step away from um, the, I don't want to say the obsessiveness of exercise, but it's a way to step out of like the mental drive of exercise and to like center mentally on like, like who I really am. Because I try not to be defined by like my fitness, um, which is something that's really hard like for someone in the world of fitness to not become like obsessive with it. And for me, yoga is like a way for me to let go of that and really like discover how my body is doing. Um, and I find that I have fewer injuries when I practice yoga. Yeah. Um, I'm super injury prone. And so when, when I'm not sure what to do, when I'm not sure what my body can handle, I can always go back to yoga. I can yeah. always practice yoga in a way. I like it. Um, well, cool. Some of the things that we were talking about before we press record on today's podcast is you said the one variable most individuals, coaches or gym owners overlook in programming is consistency. Right? 
Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, um, I think there's something to be said for giving clients the same thing. Um, and so a lot of clients come to me and say, you know, I want to do something different all the time. You know, I get, I'm getting bored with my routine. And I'm like, well, there's a reason routine exists. Um, the key is to have a little bit of both things. And so I think you have to look at what has show, been shown in science and in history to help people maintain their shape, to build muscle mass, to lose weight, to um, fuel their body. And one of those things is consistently doing um, lifts, certain exercises that are important and um, are the most effective on our body. Now, throwing things in there to mix it up and to make things different every once in a while is important, but the way I track people's fitness is through the consistency of the exercises we do. That's how I track how they're progressing in the exercise. I use those exercises as a foundation to base the rest of their workout off of. Yeah, because... In CrossFit specifically, we believe in a constant variance, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we're not benchmarking certain tests. And traditionally, we squat every week, we pull lower body every week, we pull upper body every week, we push upper body every week. Um, and you were talking a little bit about uh, lifts specifically that you program for your clients every week. Mm -hmm. What are some of those foundational movements? Oh, I think it, it goes back to those, those main push-pull lifts we bench every week. Um, and even if a client isn't comfortable sitting on a rack, we dumbbell bench. You know, We do what works for them. Um, we deadlift every week or we do a form of a deadlift, something that's going to show me the strength of their hamstrings. Yeah. We squat in a way every week. Now for some older clients, that just means they sit down on a box and stand back up. Yeah. But we do it every week. Um, and for other people, that means we're maxing out their squat once a week and we're hitting 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, and those are the three major lifts that I try to focus on. Another lift that I try to emphasize a lot is, um, back rows, um, because back strength is so important yeah. to overall body strength. Something that, um, no one ever told me, uh, until I figured it out for myself that that was like a muscle group that I just wasn't working. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really focus on those four main lifts. Um, that's yeah. usually what I base my workouts around when I work with clients. Yeah. So how, how um, just out of curiosity, how CrossFit-y is your programming that you give your clients? Um, as I've been in CrossFit longer, I've implemented more and more elements. Um, but I try to stick with what my training is in. So my training is um, to be safe. Yeah. And I'm not, that's not me saying CrossFit's not I'm, safe. Yeah. Trust me, you're not going to offend us. Yeah, I think CrossFit is perfectly safe if you have the knowledge base yep. to do it correctly. Um, but for most of my clients, it has to be a little bit simpler than that. Um, lots of free weights, lots of dumbbells, lots of kettlebells, some bar work where sometimes we're working at a rack and sometimes we're not. I like um, but like a lot more band work. We use a lot of bands, a lot of body weight exercise, that kind of thing. Um, but it's funny cause as I've been at CrossFit more, I've, there's some things that I've learned that I'm like, this is super teachable, um, super generalized. And so I can apply it really well to people yeah. and it's been super helpful. Cool. So I'd say like, like maybe 10% of what I give people CrossFit has seeped into that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, well I'm curious cause it's cool that you essentially with the rec center, you are the business owner. And you're paying rent to them mm -hmm. for using their equipment and their space, right? Yeah. When you put together this program, are you doing it in Excel? Are you doing it on a piece of paper? Are you doing it in like a calendar format? What, what does that whole process look like? It's a little bit of everything, actually. So, yeah, I use, I use Google Documents um, and the Excel spreadsheet there. So that way I can share what I have with my clients. 
Um, so they have access to it all the time. Now they don't edit it, I do, but um, that way they can see their own progress too. Um, and they also have access to see the kinds of exercises we do if they want to do them on their own. Now I try to, you know, give them guidance, like don't do this lift on your own, do this lift on your own. Yeah. Um, but I also use calendars. Um, I use calendars to send reminders and to keep in touch with my clients, that kind of thing. Um, and then I also track finances as well through cool. spreadsheets. So. Cool. Yeah. Man, you're doing it all. Is there a typical software, management software, right? Because Yoke isn't really a management software mm -hmm. that uh, the rec center recommends to you or that BYU recommends to you or all of your colleagues are using different... It's all different right now. Um, the program that I'm training with, the rec center is brand new. And so I think in five years there will be. I think in five years, once the program's been around for a while and they're on solid footing, they will have an app, a software, something that will work for them that their, their trainers and their clients can all work off of. But um, I think because it's in the baby stages, all of, all of the trainers do their own thing yeah. right now. Cool. So t tell me a little bit about how, because most of our listeners are gym owners mm -hmm. and they're looking for ways to diversify their revenue streams. And so I like how the rec center has set it up so that you're running your own business within their business and then they cut a chunk of it uh, off the top. What do what falls under your responsibility and what falls under the rec center responsibility? I'm thinking programming falls under your responsibility, coaching, the communication, are they marketing and getting the clients for you and then putting them in contact? What are some of those steps look like? So um, marketing falls on both our ends. Um, they market for me for free. Um, they provide our information on all major Provo facilities because the facility is owned by the city. And so the city advertises for us in all facilities owned by the city. Uh -huh. um, we're advertised on TVs and screens throughout all of their facilities as well. Um, and then we're also on their website. And I'd say most of my cash flow and revenue comes from people who go through the website right now. Um, that being said, a lot of trainers also use social media as a way to advertise. And they also have outside marketing sources. They hire a marketer yeah. to work with them um, and find them clients. So for me, I personally just use the rec center as my main source of marketing right now. Um, and that's just what I'm doing for right now. That can yeah. change. Yeah. So, um, and, but that, and that is their primary responsibility that, and, you know, maintaining the facility. I don't have anything to do with maintaining the facility. That's all on them, but everything else is on me. Even when I get the client, maintaining the client, keeping the client, working with the client, that's all on me. Yeah. Okay. I like it. One of my goals for this podcast is for our listeners to understand how the other still within health and fitness industry, but how other companies are going about and doing certain things. So I think your insight is valuable. Mm -hmm. um, let's jump back to programming for a minute. The the foundational lifts that you, you had talked about, deadlift, squat, bench, etc. Is there some rhyme and reason to how regular you test it versus just do the lift? Mm -hmm. You know, it totally depends on the client and their goals. Um, some of my clients don't want to lift weights very much. And I kind of tell them when they come in, like, hey, that's what I primarily do. And I want to help you see the value in that. So let's try it. So I have a client right now, a male, and one of his main goals is to build upper body strength. Um, he's really gangly. He's really long. And so <laughs> he has a hard time putting on muscle because his arms are so long. And so his main goal is to... Um, in his words, build real estate on his chest. He's trying okay. to bench more. And so we bench um, every week, twice a week. Yeah. Um, once together and once he does it by himself. Yeah. Um, and so for him, that works. There's other clients that I have. We bench every two weeks um, just to test their strength, to see where they're at. 
Um, but it totally depends on what their needs are yeah. um, and what their focuses are. I like it. Um, one thing that you stood out to me that you had mentioned before we started recording was the thing that you are looking for, the first thing you're looking for after you put together the program, but before you start executing it, is making sure that you understand what they're enjoying with their exercise because you want and expect the exercise to be enjoyable. Can you talk us a little bit through more about the value in that? Yeah, well, imagine showing up to an appointment and a trainer says, okay, we're going to do this and this and this today. And you very physically, you may not say anything, but you very physically are like, oh, like really? That's what I have to do? Um, and the trainer still does that. The trainer looks at you and says, yeah, that's what we're doing. Like, suck it up. Um, that's just not the way to approach training. Activity, physical activity should revolve around what makes people happy. Um, and sometimes people may not know how to do something correctly to make them happy, but you have to start with something that you know will make them happy, something that they're familiar enough with or um, they've heard of. You know, you, That's why you have to get to know people and understand them. Um, you have to ask them questions like, hey, how are you liking this? How does this feel as they're doing the exercises? And if they say, you know, it feels good, um, but it's pretty hard, then you have to ask them more questions like, is the weight right? Um, how are your hips feeling? Things like that. Yeah. It's all about asking questions and being in constant communication with them. Yeah. Um, and naturally, even if someone doesn't initially enjoy something, you'll find that they enjoy something um, later they've gotten used to it and they're like oh yeah like I used to not like like squatting but now it's my favorite thing to do um you just have to kind of work with them and at their level oh man I think that's so key and uh I know you you're not a coach in CrossFit but mm -hmm. what what advice would you give CrossFit gym owners with that point in mind making sure people don't because let me give some backdrop we're varying a bunch of different movements from burpees and box jumps to muscle-ups and handstand walks to snatches and squats. Mm -hmm. A lot of people really don't like the gymnastic stuff. So what advice would you give the, the CrossFit gym owners or coaches programming workouts? Um, wow, that's a great question. It's funny because that's part of the reason I joined CrossFit is for the gymnastic stuff because I needed a coach for stuff like that. Um, CrossFit, now tell me if I'm wrong, CrossFit is meant to be an experience where you come, you're in a class, but it feels more like a one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, and so in my opinion, do your best to make it feel that way. Um, make sure every, this is, and this is a, a good tactic that I use in teaching, make sure you have um, a one-on-one -on -one experience with every single person in the class at least two or three times during yeah. the class. Um, and if you're already doing that, make it more. Um, be better every time and make sure you know that person and you don't just know their name and who they are but you know their workout style how they work what's going to motivate them um, and that's a lot of work as as a coach that takes a lot of extra effort a lot of extra mind energy but it's worth it mm -hmm. um, because people will progress a lot more um, so make it a point to interact with those people regularly every single class yeah um, and have a certain number of interactions with them and make each interaction different um, I'd say that's like the biggest thing for me, that's made a big difference, especially in group instruction. Um, yeah, in my experience. Yeah, I like it. Thanks, Ellen. Yeah. Um, one other thing I thought was valuable with the data perspective is one thing you're tracking, and you mentioned it a little bit before, was the RPE, how their perceived effort on certain exercises. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, 
So one thing you have to learn about people in exercise is they're almost never going to tell you the truth. Um, and so you have to look at them, look at their face, watch them while they're doing something, um, and it'll give away a lot. It'll tell you a lot. So I, I have my own scale for perceiving um, whether something is hard but doable, um, too hard, um, easy, or kind of a medium challenging where they're getting a workout, but it's not really, it may not progress them as much as I want them to. Um, and so there's two scales there. There's my, my perception of how hard they're working, how hard an exercise is, how hard a program is, and there's their perception. There's what they tell me. Um, and you have to use both things to um, scale them, to help them progress forward or maybe step back. Um, and also work with them to try and help them be more open with you and be more honest with you. Ask the right questions and um, just try to also be a confidant in some ways. Yeah. I like it. Well, Ellen, you've given us some really good insight into the world of personal training outside of a CrossFit box. Is there anything within yoga that kind of falls in line here with performance data, data-driven programming? Can you see any overlap with yoga there? I know the practice is really different, but I'm curious. Yeah, you know, there's almost no data in yoga practice, and that's because in a lot of ways the philosophy of yoga does not follow with data. Um, it's very free and spirited, but I would say there, there's progression in yoga. There's a lot of ways to grow and to move forward, to try new things and to push yourself a little bit. So uh, yeah, there's some similarities, but I think as far as that goes, nothing that's like really notable yeah. as far as tracking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking, uh, probably not, but maybe it's worth asking. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Okay, well, I've really enjoyed this episode. I think it's valuable information and gives us an opportunity to kind of look back on our businesses and see where can we help improve the athlete experience because it's a relationships business, right? Mm -hmm. People are going to stay and keep working out if they feel welcomed and they enjoy exercise. Is there anything, additional insight, anything that's come to mind in our conversation so far that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, just be relatable. Um, I find that that's the most important thing and I have the hardest time with people in the world of fitness if they don't relate to me and if they don't have the experience of the struggle of getting to the point that they want to be at with their strength, with their body and that was a very personal struggle, one that I've dealt with that makes me a better coach. So find ways to be relatable with people. Yeah. Well, going off that, you had mentioned you'd lost 50 pounds mm -hmm. four years ago. Yeah. So four years ago, I was almost 200 pounds. And I was not happy and I wasn't taking good care of myself. And as I got to a point in my life where I realized that I had more control over that, um, I had to start to work hard, but it wasn't easy. I mean, that was four years ago. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, most people, when they jump into fitness goals, they last days or weeks. Um, to stick with it for four years and to change my whole life, the way I eat, the way I sleep, um, when I eat, you know, everything that goes into that um, takes a lot of time. So, and that's what makes me relatable, I think, is because I can go up to someone and be like, yeah, I know this is hard, yeah. um, but there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, um, and there's a way to see what's going to happen at the end. What helped you four years ago? <sighs> you know, people who cared about me, people who cared about me and were willing to like go with me every step of the way, um, people who took me to the gym and helped me learn how to do things I didn't know how to do, people who listened to me when I was having a hard time. 
Um, and the people who said that no matter what happened, they'd love me and they'd be there for me. People who were um, supportive and um, who I could count on. That's cool. So it seems like there were some friends or even family members that took you to the gym. Did you get a trainer or did you just stay consistent to a program that you Mm -hmm. Your friends and family. Yeah, know. I just developed my own program, honestly. Like, at first, it was with a friend. I remember his name's Colby, and he would take me to the gym, and he'd just show me how to lift. I remember the first time I benched, I benched um, 110. And he said, wow, like, you're really strong. Like, that's kind of crazy. I've never brought a girl to the gym, and she just benched that much. And um, it was really encouraging to see that. And so we kept going, and then at some point, I was confident enough, and I had the knowledge base to just go by myself. So I did my own programming, but I understand that most people are not that way. Most yeah. people don't think the way or are not motivated the way I am. Um, I'm very self-motivated, and I'm really able to do things that I set my mind to if I have the right knowledge for them. So I just needed someone to teach me, yeah. um, and I happened to have a friend who was willing to do it. I like it. Um, thank goodness for friends and yeah. family members that do that. Yeah. Um, Someone who hasn't done, so let's say a trainer has been fit their whole life. Mm -hmm. How can those trainers relate? That is a hard question. Um, I think being relatable, I, we, we had mentioned this before, you know, is getting to know somebody um, and understanding them. When people feel understood, um, then that to them is being related to. Um, so you can be relatable without having the same experience as them. And so you have to be prepared to get to know them. You have to really learn to care about them and care about their needs, um, care about what they've been through. And unless you take the time to do that, they're not going to feel that connection. They're not going to feel like they're understood. So, yeah, I don't think it is necessary to have that experience where you have to change your life around, you know. But you, it's important to understand people and where they're coming from. Yeah. Amen to that. I think that's a good point to to close. Thank yeah. you, Ellen. You're welcome. <clears throat> okay, that was exactly 20 minutes. Wow. That was awesome. Great. Did you great get time. everything you wanted? Uh, yes. Did you say everything you wanted? Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, I really enjoyed that, and I think it was really